You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? It's good to see my family this morning. It's good to uh, see the people I don't see that are watching us remotely. Glad to have you, too. I've got lots of words to say this morning in a little bit of time, so I'm going to say them all. I don't get to speak too often, but let's start with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, help me declare your words courageously with love, faith, and hope as I should. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you all are familiar with call and response, right? You know, I call and you respond. You with me? Okay, cool. So title of my lesson today, it's got three titles. One is called Love One Another. Nice, simple title. Second part is called Keep It Real. And then the third part is called fight the good fight. So we're going to start off because I want to remind you of God's love. And so we're going to do a little call and response. We're going to go to Psalm 136. I'm going to start in verse one and we're just going to call and response. And if you will, get busy with the word. Amen. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Ah, okay. You got to look at my notes. All right. We do it again. I'm going to say give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And you're going to say his love endures forever. And then we're going to go through the whole Psalm 136. I'm going to call, but I need you all to respond. Now, look at these young people over here. They have less life in them than I do. And I'm like 62 and y'all are all young and healthy. So I, I need some energy from particularly this section right here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. There we go. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. And if you're at home, you can respond too. Amen. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spreads out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. He even made Mars for the Mars Perseverance rover. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel from out among them. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Oh, I want to hear from the senior citizen section over here. Because the young people are out doing y'all. Y'all sitting there. Oh, man, you know, we, we over 30. Oh, amen. Here we go. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army away into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness, to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Shihon, king of the Amorites, and Ah, king of Bashan. Steve, singing with me, brother, and gave their lands as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our lowest state and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. On our darkest day, we should know. Amen. Give yourselves a round of applause. 
I'm looking at Dave King over there. He's breathing hard because that's, that's more lungs than he's had in a minute. Thank you for hanging in there with me, Dave. Amen. In the midst of calling us higher today, I wanted to start out and remind us all that his love does endure forever. And, and it's important that we remember that because when we go through hardship in life, it's difficult. And oftentimes we may not feel that love from him. And honestly, we may not always feel that love for one another. But on your darkest day of despair, when all seems lost and you hope and you may be laying in the bed fighting for your life, remember, God's love endures forever. Love one another. My first point. First John, chapter four, verses seven through twelve. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends and guests and brothers and sisters, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Amen. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Love everyone. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the good and evil and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only people that greet you, what's happening, brother? Amen. What are you doing more than the others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. My first point, very simply, love one another. In the New Testament, the word love appears over 260 times. I couldn't read them all today, but you can later. Go to Bible Gateway, type love in, and all 600 plus in the whole Bible and 260 plus in the New Testament will pop up. God is very clear. He wants and expects us to love one another. Amen. Can we all agree to that? Does that sound like a good idea? Is that aligned with the will of God that we figure out and find ways to love one another? Okay, amen. I'm just checking. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8. I'd encourage you to memorize it. I like to make up little weird Mnemonic devices to help me remember stuff like PKIP, PR, saw it, PTH, PTH. What does that mean? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. As Elmer Fudd would say, it keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, that's Elmer Fudd joke. Amen. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. No, it always protects. Always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. See, as a married man, I had to memorize that because there are many opportunities where I was tempted to be unloving toward my wife, Carol. So I needed a checklist. You know how that is, husband? You come home, you get a checklist. Okay, college students, you go home and there's a checklist. I had to have the checklist. Brothers and sisters, we need to make sure, and friends and guests, we should have a checklist to make sure that we love one another. And then it goes on in the same chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
And as I said, God intends that we love everyone and follow the example of Christ. Should we love everybody? So how's it going for you? How's it going for us as a church? How's it going for our community? How's it going for our nation? How's it going for this world? Do we love one another? For real? Do you feel loved in the church? Do you really feel loved? See, my personal conviction is learning how to operationalize love and really put it into practice and actually make it happen is the greatest challenge that we face as a church, as a community, as a nation, and on this planet is truly, really learning how to practice love for one another. Which brings me to my second point. Point number two, keep it real. We often fail to love one another. June 12th is National Loving Day, amen? Did y'all know that? June 12th, National Loving Day. You know what that's all about? See, in the 1960s, there was a interracial couple, kind of like my friends Mike and Tracy over there. And they got married, but in Virginia, interracial marriage was illegal. It was illegal to be married to somebody of a different race. And so they got arrested. They went to court. And in June 1967, the Supreme Court in the United States said that anti-miscegenation laws are declared illegal. You see, it's funny that June 12th was Loving Day. In our history, we've exhibited a lack of love. June 19th, 1865. Juneteenth. It's coming up next Saturday. This Saturday coming up. (coughs) Excuse me. Slaves in Galveston, Texas were informed that they'd been set free. Actually, twice earlier. First time was January 1st, 1863, excuse me, with the Emancipation Proclamation. And then the second time they were set free was January 31st, 1865, with the end of the war. Now, interestingly enough, General Lee of the Confederacy surrendered his sword April 9th, 1865, but slaves in Galveston did not find out until June 19th. Thus, Juneteenth, or as it's known in a number of places, African American Emancipation Day, which has now become a state holiday in some places. That was the day black folks in America were set free. Remember the Bible said Jesus came to set the captives free? Well, black folks in America had to wait a while. But we got free eventually. Hey, come on, y'all. You can laugh. Please laugh at my jokes. I know I'm old. It's old, old jokes. But y'all, help me out. Can I get an amen? Y'all out there? Okay, wake up a little bit. Okay, because it is a heavy topic. But I want you to hear what I'm saying. We have to love one another. May 10th, 2019, Ronald Green was murdered in the United States. African-American man in Louisiana. Look at the video. It's horrific. He was drugged and murdered, killed by cops. Lack of love. May 25th, 2020, George Floyd was murdered. (laughs) A lack of love. April 29th, 1992. Anybody remember who Reginald Denny was? Go back and look at the L.A. riots. Reginald Denny was a white truck driver who unfortunately was in. I'll just say how I feel it. He was in the hood when the riots started and African-American men dragged him out of that truck and almost beat him to death. For lack of love. The Uyghur internment camps in China. A lack of love. Armenian genocide in Turkey. By Turkey, excuse me, a lack of love. 
subjugation of women globally. A lack of love. I had a stat in one of my class. I couldn't believe it. It said over 25 percent of the women in Belize had been raped or sexually assaulted. A lack of love. My wife reminded me there are similar statistics in India. A lack of love. Japanese internment camps in the United States and California during World War II. A lack of love. Japanese treatment of Chinese and Korean women during World War II. A lack of love. The Syrian genocide. A lack of love. Theft of the, the United States from Native Americans. A lack of love. The Palestinian conflict and the treatment of Palestinians by Israel. A lack of love. The Holocaust. A lack of love. The Cambodian genocide. A lack of love. Rwanda. A lack of love. Help me. What did I miss? Which one? Slavery. A lack of love. What else did I miss? Come on. Civil war. A lack of love. Whose community did I leave out? Come on. What did I miss? Pedophiles. A lack of love. Okay. People with disabilities. A lack of love. In fact, in China, that's one of the, excuse me, in Japan, that's one of the things people are discriminated against. There was a guy in Japan that killed a bunch of disabled people because he said they shouldn't live. Because in that culture, it's something wrong with you if you're disabled, not just you're disabled, you're somehow inferior. It's a lack of love. See, as human beings, we seem to specialize in finding ways to hate one another. Racial stereotypes, a lack of love. Jephthah, the Gileadite, if you look at Judges 11 and 12, your accent can cost you your life. Now, they were at war, but in China, when you open your mouth, they know where you're from. If you're not a Han Chinese, you're treated with a lack of love. Reluctance to engage with people who disagree with you on thorny issues, a lack of love. Grace, a lack of grace when we talk about hard things. It's a lack of love. Bible says restore them gently, yet many people, when they come particularly to churches of Christ, feel judged and not loved. Now, there is a judgment component in the Bible, but we need to love one another. You know, this month is Gay Pride Month. The Bible talks about sexual sin, and my personal conviction is, yeah, adultery is sexual sin, fornication is sexual sin. I believe homosexuality is sexual sin, but we need to love people. Do you celebrate your gay friends? I have friends that are gay. I have friends that have been involved in adultery. I have friends that have been involved in sexual sin, but I still love them. Do you love people when they're lost in sin? Yesterday I was on the this uh, kingdom in- inclusion team call, and I heard about black violence against Asians. That's a lack of love. Now, what was interesting, I was actually glad to hear about that because what I reflected on was also Asian racism against blacks. It's a lack of love, lack of cultural understanding and nuances and differences of people in our church, even across gender or age or generational differences. A lack of love, lack of patience when others try to grow and learn and they make mistakes. It's a lack of love. Are we doing any good to have a kingdom inclusion team or what we call a squad? I believe we are because at least we are trying to overcome a lack of love. Now, we got a way to go. But as Paul said, and I really enjoyed Kit Cummings, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23, I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Thank you, Mike. I might save some. 
He was trying to save people. Revelations 12, verses 7 through 9. And there was war in heaven. I won't read the whole thing. My point is simply, brothers and sisters, friends and guests, it is a spiritual battle over learning how to really love one another, despite the fact that we are all different, yet we are all wonderfully made in the image of God. What happens in battle? You get hurt. You get injured. Sometimes people die. My third point is simply fight the good fight. So we know we need to love one another. Amen. How's our planet historically done with that? Is it fair to say we have some growth opportunities? Okay, maybe even the church, we might need to grow a little bit. Okay, so we have some growth opportunities. So my third point is fight the good fight. Paul, at the end of his life, talked about in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. That's what we want to be able to say at the end. I stand here before you today as a sinner saved by grace. Lord knows I have sinned grievously against people and have lacked love at many points in my life and probably still will and am still trying to learn and grow and overcome my shortcomings. If I've injured you unintentionally here today, please forgive me. It doesn't come from a bad place. It comes from a sinner trying to figure it out for himself and share what God has placed on his heart with others. My goal is to wound myself and others in a way that produces godly sorrow leading to repentance. First Corinthians chapter seven, verses eight through 11. So here's a point of decision I want to call us to in fighting the good fight. And I want to go back a little bit because this is a sermon and I want to share a few things. Part of my conviction and my leadership paradigm, if you will, it, it comes from what I've done in the church over the years. And, you know, I hear us talk about leaders in the church. I want to change your perception of leaders. Yes, we have ministers. OK, we have full time ministers, those paid by the church to do the work. And then in our congregation, we have a formal kind of leadership structure where we have small group leaders of various sizes that may be called Bible talk, family group, whatever, to lead different groups. And I'm sure in other congregations, they, they have a leadership structure as well. But I really want to change a paradigm of leader. If you believe in Jesus Christ crucified, raised from the dead, or you're thinking about it, you're a leader. So the question isn't whether or not you're a leader. The question is, how will you lead? And what will your leadership impact be? I'm going to give you some real simple practicals. Not everybody's going to go into the ministry. You know, I was a minister once upon a time. But people like Steve and Kenny, they really love being in the ministry. It was tough for me, but but they love it. And that's why I respect and want to give them honor so much, because it is a tough job. I've done every job in this church. I'm going to boast a little bit in the Lord. I'm not just an early member of the L.A. church. I'm a founding member of the L.A. church. I helped found this church. The first contribution we counted in L.A. was $967. Me and one other brother chipped in $33 so it could be 1000 even. Me and Carol used to lead Kids Kingdom. We bought chemical recovery to the L.A. church. Our first chemical recovery session, we actually put one of the sisters that was in there in a rehab because she came to the session with drugs in her purse. I was a regional financial advisory committee member. I led full time. Mark Shump. Andy Winge and I led Coastal L.A., or not Coastal, we led the South Bay Church for 13 months without a minister. This last challenge we had with Ellen Bruce, I was in the middle of it. I remember when one of my friends, Charles Newman, when I was a minister in South Central, he got shot. I remember being there. Mike remembers, he was there with us. I remember going down to L.A. County Jail so many times, my wife joked that they had my name down there in the past to let me in. 
I remember, oh, check this out. I remember on a, in Long Beach, I'm the first African-American to be stopped for PWB, praying while black. I was in my neighborhood, which was a nice neighborhood. I was the minister for Long Beach, full time in the church, out on the prayer walk, and the cops stopped me because somebody reported suspicious activity. I was so angry. I remember going to L.A. County morgue with one of my friends to identify his sister. And there was no dignity in the way her body was. I remember my first week in the ministry. We were subpoenaed by the grand jury because someone had allegedly confessed a crime to Carol and I. And the L.A. County Sheriff showed up in my house and wanted us to testify and hauled us down to the courthouse later that week. Sad moment. I remember being with Mike Keyes when his oldest son, John Michael, where Mike had to make the decision because John Michael wasn't alive anymore. And the respirator was moving its little chest, but but he was gone. I remember when uh, Tanisha, one of my daughter's friends, her uh, mom was murdered by her boyfriend. And I'm doing a sermon. I got four little girls in the front row crying their eyes out. I remember a sister I passed by in the church, thought I was mad at her and didn't speak to her. And she was so hurt. And I was just overwhelmed. I wasn't mad. I almost got beat up twice at church when I was in the minister. Once a brother wanted to fight me in the bathroom and the other brothers, they stopped him. He was bigger than me. He'd, he'd beat me down for sure. And then the other time I'm in the parking lot with a brother. We both got on nice suits and we had an argument and we chest bumped. Our egos got all in the way. And I remember thinking, how ridiculous is this? Two old guys rolling around the parking lot in their suits at church. And it made me back down. I'm sharing all these Personal experiences, because I want to change your paradigm on what ministers do. Ministers have a very, very hard job. Full time ministry is very difficult. Um, You know, it's funny. I was talking to Steve about this morning. He said trauma. I'm probably traumatized by some of the things that I endured as a minister, but I'm grateful that God allowed me to serve. But I want to change our paradigm on what our ministers do and also on what we do. We've got to get involved and find ways to love one another, brothers and sisters, friends and guests. It's not easy. We've got to figure out how to help each other. We've got to change our view on how we look at things and how we look at one another and what our role is in the church. This is our church. Now, in all respect to Steve and Kenny, I'm still laughing about that, that terrible thing you did at teen camp. I, that is just still funny to me, man. That's the worst thing you did. God bless you. That's why you're a good minister. You know, I'm still laughing about that. With all respect to them, I don't need Steve's permission to be a man of God. I don't have to ask permission to go have a Bible talk in my neighborhood if I want one or to evangelize or to love somebody or to go by somebody's house and visit them. Or to, or to do a church service. I, I may decide one day, I want to do a church service. I ain't asking nobody. I'm calling my friends. We having church, y'all. Come on. You don't need permission. You're a minister of reconciliation already. To reconcile the world to God, brothers and sisters. Go reconcile. Make it happen. We don't have to ask permission. So here's the decision point. What positive action will you take to love one another more deeply in this world in which we live? This world we live in. What decision point will you make around three things? I'm going to give you three three pieces of homework, and I'll share with you what I'm doing. One is, what are you going to do to grow personally? The second one is, what will you do to strengthen the church? And then the third one is, what will you do to build unity, love, 
unity and love in our community, our nation, and in the world. Now, I went through a lot of really painful things, right? And no, that's real, right? Am, am I keeping it real? That stuff is real, right? It really happened, right? Those, those things really happen. Right now, we're dealing with the racist history that we have in the world. You know, back when I was growing up, if you were light-skinned black, you were considered better than the dark-skinned blacks. Any black people out here? Y'all, y'all know about that? Right? Light-skinned black versus dark-skinned black. You know, and then the dark-skinned blacks got mad and started beating up the light-skinned blacks after school. But I heard Latinos do the same thing. And then I know that the Chinese and the Koreans have it in sometimes for the Japanese because of World War II. You see, we got all kinds of reasons to hate one another, but we've got to make decisions to truly love one another. So here are my decisions. Some of these are going to seem a little weird. My first decision to grow personally, I have to finish my dissertation. It is sucking the life out of me. There used to be a joke. You hear that large sucking sound? That's Chuck's dissertation, man. Just draining the life out there, brother. I'll be stepping down from my role as part of the diversity inclusion team. Part of it is I'm just overwhelmed in my life. And I want to be effective when I leave something. I got a little bit too much on my plate. But I'm still around. I'm not going anywhere. And I still want to try to help and do what I can. What I'm going to do to strengthen the church, we need a diversity calendar. So I'm going to put it together. See, we have all these different, look at us, look around. You can't see us if you're on camera, but if you look around, we have almost every nation on the planet represented here today. We, we have a lot of different people here. We need a diversity calendar to help us just be sensitive to one another. We were studying the Bible with a, 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 a woman who looks African-American, but she told me that her mother was Armenian. That's what made me think about the genocide. Last month, we talked about Asian and Pacific Islander heritage, and we almost missed it. So I'm going to take the initiative to put that together. That's a small thing. Why do I share that? Because we can do small things. It doesn't have to be something big. It just has to be something that you can do and that you're willing to do. I'm also going to help plan a joint service with Metro Heights, uh, which is our neighboring ministry. One of my happiest memories in the ministry. One time we had a church service over there. And after church, I walked through the park. There were Bible studies everywhere. I kid you not. There were 40 Bible studies going on. Little kids out of control, running everywhere. It was great. Brothers on the basketball court arguing. You know, that's where you got to see people really sin, see who they really were on the court. It was awesome. So we're going to do that again. And then the last thing I want to do, and this is where I need help from those of you. Some of you look at me and you think I'm just a little more conservative than the most right wing person ever. And some of you look at me and think I'm a flaming liberal. Well, I need to talk to people who are really different than me. And somebody who I might have offended or maybe said something you think was really wrong. I want to engage in constructive dialogue with people who are different than I am. That will help me mature spiritually and grow my sensitivity and will also help me keep it real. So in conclusion, I want to call us to really love one another deeply and from the heart. Love one another. But to keep it real, we have some real challenges we have to address. I'm not going to pretend everything's OK. We, we got some work to do. But then finally, make personal and specific decisions to fight the good fight. And. That's what I have to share with you today. So let's have a prayer for communion.
Father heaven, thank you for this opportunity to share with my spiritual family and our friends and guests. Help us all to make personal decisions about the areas that we can grow and that we should grow and that we will grow. Help us to change. Help us to help others. Help us to endure. Help us to persevere. Help us to forgive. Help us to love. Help us to be like Jesus. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.